Welcome to the Girl Gang Craft Podcast, where we dive in deep to all things business, wellness, creativity, and activism for artists and entrepreneurs. We talk with impactful, female-driven companies and founders for an inside look at the entrepreneurial experience, where you'll come away with tangible steps to elevate your business. Are you ready? I'm your host, Phoebe Sherman, founder of Girl Gang Craft, artist and designer and marketing obsessed. We're here to learn together how to expand our revenue, implement new organizational techniques, and cultivate best business practices as we work towards creating a life doing what we love. Let's get started. Hello, creatives and entrepreneurs and makers and witches. Hello, hello. Phoebe here on Girl Gang Craft, the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We have some amazing women on the podcast today. We have the ladies from the product boss. So we have Jacqueline and Mina, and they're going to hop in just a moment, but I've taken their classes before. I've, you know, been listening to their podcast. So when they reached out to me to be on the podcast, oh my goodness, I was thrilled. I was like, yes, please. So we'll hop in to the episode in just a moment. Right now I'm recording this intro and it's really hot out and the AC is right outside my window. So if it's loud, that's what's happening. That is what we are working with people. You know, maybe someday I will have a nice quiet room. I know Jenna Kutcher used to talk about recording her podcast in the closet and my closets are pretty darn small. So I don't think I could get my laptop into there, much less my desktop. So here we are at my desk with the AC roaring away and the neighbors upstairs. And that's what we're working with. We get the podcast done anyways. We are professionals. We really are. But anyways, thank you for tuning in. I want to talk about some incredible opportunities that are happening. And wow, there is a lot. Here we are, end of July. And I feel like the year is already over. So I want to hop into things. First, I want to talk about something that you probably don't know about yet. So this is a five-day reel challenge. This is starting August 22nd to August 29th, and this is free for you all to join. There's going to be some live components. So I'm going to be teaching some workshops, and then there's going to be some videos and some sounds and some trendings and some ideas trending sounds and some ideas sent right to your inbox. So this is free for free for you to all, you know, invest the time and energy into hopping into video content. I know that there's a barrier to entry. It feels like a lot. It feels very different. We all just got the hang of, you know, regular pictures and Instagram had to do something completely different, but there is value in showing up on camera. There is value about talking about your product. There is value on being on a different social media app, AKA TikTok. So I'm gonna help you with it all. I'm gonna help you with it all. So each day there's gonna be a workshop or a video sent to your inbox with a challenge for you to participate with and some trending audio. And you can kind of decide if you wanna do organic content or trending, but there's gonna be lots of options. And you know, by the end of the five days, you're gonna have five reels, five TikToks to post. And you can decide if you want to do the TikTok route or the real route or sort of work with both. My specialty is all about repurposing TikToks for Instagram. And we're going to get into that. Don't worry. Actually, the next podcast, we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about reels. But for the five-day challenge, we are going to talk about some ways 
to make reels and TikToks and to really get in front of your audience. So you can sign up for the five day reel challenge at bit.ly. So that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash G-G-C five, the number five day reel challenge. And that's all lowercase. So that will be in the show notes. But again, that's bit.ly slash G-G-C five day reel challenge. And you're going to know about it. If you're on the newsletter, you're going to get information about it to your inbox. And then you can opt into the five day reel challenge. You do have to opt into the five day reel challenge. Otherwise you won't get this into your inbox. It doesn't go to our full newsletter. It's only people who have, you know, raised your hands and been like, I want to do the five day reel challenge. So if you're interested, you can sign up there. We will be telling you about it on social media and in the emails too. So this is free to attend. So I mean, if you have any questions about that, as always, you can send us an email or DM me. Also, my personal Instagram is at Phoebe Sherman. So if you don't follow me there, go ahead and follow my personal Instagram. I did send you all a message in your inbox. If you're on our newsletter, that I'm getting a puppy. So (laughs) if you want some puppy pictures, that's going to be on the personal Instagram. Okay, I'm rambling a little bit. I want to talk about some of the opportunities for you this fall besides the five day real challenge, which you should totally join because it's going to allow you to feel confident in making videos and encourage you to show up and encourage you to really communicate in a new way. If you haven't been diving into the reels. Okay. So besides that, we have other things happening. We have our Salem event that is November 26th. Apps are open. We have our Oakland event. That's December 3rd apps are open and we have our holiday gift guide. So our holiday gift guide is a comprehensive shopping guide on our page that we have live from November 11th to January 11th. And it features creatives just like you. And we send it to all our small business lover people, people in our community that want to shop, that want to support you over the holiday season. And we give them two full months to shop. So it's a really beautiful thing. We pass it around in the community nationwide, really. And already we have apps from people all over the U.S. I don't think we have any international yet, but all over the U.S. So that's fantastic. And it's organized by different categories. And there's no app fee for the gift guide. So go ahead to apply. All the information for all the events in the online event we do is on gogangcraft.com slash events. Okay, talking too much. We're going to hop into the episode Thanks for being here. Stay cool, y'all. If you're in the hot part, if you're in any heat this summer, I hope you get a little bit of downtime, a little bit of pool time, a little bit of water time, whatever. Enjoy yourself. Okay. Bye-bye for now. We'll hop into the episode. Hello, creatives. Welcome to Girl Gang Craft, the podcast. We have two guests with us today. We have Jacqueline and Mina from the product boss. And it's really exciting to have them on the podcast today because I've taken their course. I've been listening to their podcast for a while. So it feels very lovely for me to be able to talk to them personally and share their wisdom with you all. So welcome to the podcast, ladies. Thanks Thanks for having having us. I know we're so excited that we have a student that has such a successful business or businesses and this podcast. So we're honored to be on here with you and it feels super full circle. Yay. Thank you so much. Yeah. As I was saying, before we started recording, Jacqueline played sort of an integral part of 
like us moving our product-based business on its own Instagram. So it gets its own space to breathe and it sort of has its own mission. And so that little video in itself, that feedback sort of shaped a lot of our trajectory in our post COVID world. So thank you for that. Of course. And I'm Jacqueline, by the way, if you want to hear voices, this is the Valley girl voice. The more Valley girl voice is the girl from the Valley. (laughs) Valley girl. And then I'm the Valley girl from Iowa. (laughs) <laughs> which we always say two Valley girls walked into a bar. This is the two of us. I <laughs> love it. Okay. Let's start with how did you two meet? Ooh, good question. Well, back in our day, people used to meet yeah. on the internet. No, but we did meet online. So we, we met, met online. online. Mm-hmm. So funny enough. So Mina's a product-based business owner. I've had my own product-based business, but she owns little labels. And we were listening to a podcast, the Biz Chicks podcast, where she coached six-figure business owners. And we're both female CEOs and entrepreneurs. And I was listening to the podcast and I had my own brand called Cuffs Couture, which was a wearable wrist wallet that I had ran, but then kind of wanted to liquidate. I had had two kids. I had a service-based business, kind of like you. I have a service-based business. I had started this product business, but it just didn't make sense in the market anymore in terms of like our phone size, things like that. So I was listening to the podcast, my ears pinged because the host of that podcast said, you know, for example, like Mina who sells her products on Amazon, if she ever wanted to be a coach, she could be an Amazon coach. Meanwhile, Mina's like cringing and being like, I'm not a coach, but I found her in the Facebook group and I reached out and I said, Hey, can I pick your brain on Amazon? I was thinking about liquidating thousands of products on Amazon and could I grow a business there? And because of Mina's generosity in terms of jumping on a coffee chat with me online video, I had not entered this online world yet. I'd been an entrepreneur for like 10 and a half years and did it all by myself. Very lonely. Found her. And then when she jumped on a call and then we kind of transitioned this relationship where we realized we were speaking product. We had both had service-based businesses. So we both, and we continue to have service-based, but we also were both product. And we realized we talked the same love language, inventory, shipping, pricing. I mean, service-based businesses don't have to deal with products sitting on the shelf that have literally eaten money up and that we need to figure out how to sell them. So as we started talking about this, we realized, you know, there was a gap out there, but before we ever said, well, let's start a podcast. We just really vibed with each other and we found each other. It improved like two kids that were similar ages. So we were both moms, Jacqueline at the time. Hey, this is really coming full circle. She's back in LA. But at that time she was moving from LA, but she had a really long commute. So it was like an hour of time where we would walkie talkie each other. It was only five miles in LA, but if you know (laughs) LA traffic, it was an hour. Meanwhile, I'm like living life in Iowa, which by the way, everybody, this is Mina. This is my voice. And I'm living in Iowa. So during that time when she's stuck in traffic, I'm literally probably going four corners of the state at this point, you know? And so we just hit it off because we spoke the same, you know, love language product business, but also we had kids, two kids a piece, and we just became really fast friends. So I think that anybody who thinks that you can't meet friends online, like maybe before it was uncommon, but nowadays I think people meet even business partnerships online. So that's really, which is you know, what we did. Came, yeah. That's and- really what we did. I think because we established this relationship, we reached out to each other, we found each other and we didn't have to be in the same place, but we had each other's ears and minds and thoughts, which is kind of like how a mastermind gets started, right? Two minds come together. This is Napoleon Hill's concept of two minds make a third mind. And that's ultimately what we created. And 
we had kind of decided, we didn't say that we were starting a business together, but I was speaking at an event in LA for the fashion industry and they asked me to put together a panel. And I was like, Hey, Mina, do you want to meet for the first time? Fly out from Iowa. Let's stay in the Airbnb together. Like never, ever. And I'm thinking, will I get murdered by this person I met online a few (laughs) months ago? I don't think you were thinking that. I think my brother was thinking (laughs) that, but you weren't. And then, you know, kind of quick start over here with me. I'm like, should we pitch? a mastermind at the end these this fashion industry and see if people want to collaborate together. Because at that point, I feel like in LA and the fashion industry also specifically, because that's where I was coming from. We were working independent of each other. We were competitive. We didn't want to share resources. It wasn't like, Oh, I've got the sewer, go to the sewer. But I would, that's how I grew my businesses by collaboration. And so we basically met for the first time pitched a mastermind, sold it out in the hallway. And that was the conception of truly actually multi-stream machine, which is our signature program now, because we were teaching multiple streams of revenue for product-based businesses. And that was the way to grow. So that was kind of the panel was called multi-stream machine. Yeah. So that was, you know, we didn't know what we were on at that point, but that's how we met Mm -hmm. and fell in love and became life partners. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't tell our husbands though. They know, they, <laughs> they know, they, they know, know, I'm sure. They know. <laughs> so, okay. So, so you pitched this mastermind and then when did the podcast come along? Months later. So we actually had the mastermind. It started in October. And then in January, we started the product boss. Now the name, the product boss, we mold over for a very long time because we were like, what podcast could we come out with that we knew there was this gap for product-based people that were speaking the same love language as us. And we could just talk for hours. I mean, if you could get that early content of our Voxers, it would have been golden, right? Well, which probably could, you know, in the archives, but we started the podcast in that January, January of 2018. And we started with like, I don't know, I think it was like five episodes in that we dropped them all at once. And then we just have never missed an episode every single week since 2018, we have had one or two episodes. We just started doing two in 2020. We were really consistent. We've laughed a ton and it really started from there, but the product boss name came from us naming the podcast, which later became this full-fledged business with now a staff of, you know, Basically, we have like 12 people that work for us now. So it happens fast. So Mina, you have another business currently. Can you mm-hmm. tell us a little bit yep. about that business? And we both still do. You do. You <laughs> yeah. You do, Jacqueline. Okay. Yes. Tell us about your other business and how you balance it all. So my other business is Little Labels, which we sell waterproof labels for kid items that are going to school, daycare, camp, that sort of thing. So we're ones that are wash and dryer safe that you label your clothing or dishwasher safe that you label baby bottles and steamer safe and all that. So we primarily sell on Amazon or big box stores. So it might be, I've done like subscription boxes as well as like Walmart and bigger things because we do manufacture our labels. My other business partner is actually my husband. So when I first started Low Labels in 2015, it was just me with a baby in my belly and a Bruin, as I like to say. And I knew that I needed to get this up and running. And I ended up being in the first prime day. The first prime day was in 2015. It kicked off 
how I did my business. You know, I knew that Amazon was going to be a big part of that. So my husband actually, so fast forward, we've been really, really super successful. I have the product boss now fast forward and my kids are now much older. Now they're seven and 11. And now my husband, who is a licensed pharmacist, I like to mention this. I always imagined I was going to retire my husband, right? That was kind of like the goal when I was like pregnant. It was like, eventually our family would be working together and all the things. And now it looks totally different. The kids are older and my husband is in the house now. He doesn't like to be called retired because he's not. He's still a licensed pharmacist, but now he takes care of the kids and also runs little labels. Though I'm the, you know, 50-50 partner with him. I spend most of my time in the product boss side, to be honest. And so now we just, most of our day-to-day stuff is him working, making sure all the labels are packed or getting sent off. And mine is, you know, every once in a while, say, how's all the labels going? <laughs> That's since you're all a CEO. How's it going over there, husband? <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty much like the other business that I have. So Jacqueline, do you want to go into your other business too? Yeah. I was just thinking about it actually, like on a deeper level as we were talking about this. So my other business is designer consulting co-op where I've helped launch over a thousand fashion brands, like startups. So apparel and accessories. So my background is I'm a fashion designer. I've worked for big businesses. And then back in 2007, pre the last recession, I started out on my own and I started coaching and consulting people on actually I was designing for them, developing and producing their fashion brands and helping them launch. I have very limited clients now because again, the product boss has really grown. I think the thing in terms of for both of us, what Mina and I both kind of had to come to the conclusion on how to balance it was when we first started out, the product boss was one day a week and our other businesses were four days. We are not about hustling all the time, but we are definitely about hard work we don't believe in like, really don't believe in the four hour work week from a product based passive part is I think it's really hard to think something's going to be passive and it's not, you know, I think the balance part is really hard too, because when we have the secondary business, we have kids, we're also wives and have lives. And then we're also not together. That's the other thing that we, you know, I know we've been loosely mentioning it, but I'm in Iowa, Jacqueline's in Los Angeles now. So there is like this virtual aspect to it. I think we could just do so much more if we were together sometimes. Oh, and then we'd ignore you know? our children and our husbands <laughs> and our friends. So yeah. it's a good thing Jacqueline, we have separation. Is, are you in LA recently? Is that a recent thing? I just moved mm-hmm. back. Yeah. I was okay. on the East Last Coast. Week. So okay. Okay. When me and I first met, I was moving to the East Coast and now I've moved back. So as of like a week. <laughs> Isn't your husband on in Broadway or something? He's a Broadway actor. Okay. He's okay. also just a TV film actor. Okay. And Wasn't so he Harry Potter. He, yes, okay. he was. But he also, some people out there might know him from the movie She's the Man with Amanda Bynes. He played the guy with the spider. Anyways, so yeah, big Broadway actor. Broadway is up in it's a mess right now, like during after the pandemic and ticket sales and travel and all the things. So we're back in LA, which I love. Let me tell you the weather. And her husband is from California too. So they've made it back. But I think that the balancing part is that we let go of the word balance and we really incorporated the blend. We also push each other and push ourselves to buy back our own time. So that means, you know, hiring in the house as well as hiring in the business. So sometimes that's hard. You know, like if you're working by yourself, you tend to not want to hire. You think, oh, I can just do it, you know, but even, you know, something minuscule is like hiring somebody to mow the lawn or do the laundry or do the dishes or, you know, all those things. It 
opens up time in your schedule. And then in the business, it's like, if you can delegate to people in the business and we go by do delegate, delete, automate, outsource or repeat. So we kind of have like this whole structure thing of what we tried to do and the tasks that we're doing. And that has really helped us know that it's a blend versus us trying to perfectly balance something. And so, yeah, I think that's where I was getting to in terms of both running our businesses and how do we balance it or whatever. It's really a blend and some, I'm not going to lie, some weeks are way harder, you know, like, especially with young kids, if it's the end of the school year, and then all of a sudden you, you know, have a bunch of like launches coming up and your other business needs you and all the things. I mean, we have two businesses, two kids, spouses and all the things. So I think we just, we go easy on ourselves with like the grace of that, but also what do we not have to do? We've cut out a lot of things. We were challenged to take 25% of things off of our schedule by a coach that we work with. And so what we did is we're like, yes, we can show up for free and do certain things. Or we had this thing called bosses and breakfast that we were doing literally every Wednesday. And it's great. And we support our community, but we wanted to show up for our community and our students in other ways as well. So now we're going to do it more in seasons versus all the time. So it was really looking at there's sometimes it's so hard. Like we call it our talons to let go of certain things are dying or, you know, death grip on it that we're just like, no, I still want to do this sort of thing. But literally that time is so precious of what could we be doing outside of that time. Also working in, you know, like our unique zones of genius or, you know, our creative outlets and things like that. When I say creative outlets, Jacqueline and I get really creative with business, but we definitely need margin and room to do that. So when we were like packing full our schedules, and then we have all these other things that we're doing, it didn't give us the room to even have the mind space to do it. And so that has been something that we've gotten better and better at as we've you know, matured in the business and figured out a lot of things with like having a partner that's, you know, not in, you know, in person with us. And then also our kids have gotten older and it's just gotten easier. That has really helped too. Yeah. So let's talk about outsourcing. Cause I know that's like really a big hot topic for our audience, I think. And I think this ties into sort of the handmade conversation, which we can sort of veer in towards, but I think a lot of our audience has a really hard time letting go of tasks and handing it off to someone else and delegating and not like feeling like it has to be done by you. So what sort of advice do you have for small business owners who are thinking they're almost ready to outsource something? So we love the saying makers got to make, right? And that was so built into so much of the culture, especially like the Etsy culture and Etsy coaches and things like that. It was like, and, and the way that Etsy started was makers did have to make the items that were sold on there, right? But we've really shifted that messaging to makers got to make money, right? Otherwise, this is just a hobby. Mm-hmm. I have a fine arts degree. Yes. Okay. I can sit in my room and paint paintings all day, every day, and I can still be a maker, a creative, an artist, but that's not what's going. It's a hobby. If I'm not trying to sell it now, if I'm trying to sell it, then I have to really think about the return on my investment. I have to think about like, am I going to sell one large painting for $5,000? Am I going to sell a whole bunch of prints for $25 each? And how am I going to do that? So, you know, we have an episode specifically on this. It's episode 335, which is called Makers Gotta Make Money at the Product Boss Podcast. But it's overcoming that mindset of it needing to be with your own two hands. It still can be a handmade business made with other people's hands. 
we have a student that has a beautiful handmade knit hat company. She's a knitter. She used to knit all the time. Now she employs, she still knits all the time, but her business has grown Mm -hmm. so much. Still a handmade knit hat company, but she employs knitters from all across the country. So other people who can knit that love it as a hobby that maybe want to make a little bit of money on the side, but they don't want to grow a business. They don't want to think about marketing and sales and all the things. They just want to sit around and knit and get paid for their time. So she's able to employ other makers. One of them actually put a down payment on their house. It was what she made. Yeah. So it was a lot of hats. Let's just say. (laughs) (laughs) So I want you to think about that when you're juggling with, it's got to be with my own two hands. I think another mindset thing that comes up for people is it will never be as good as if I do it. It won't be as perfect as if I do it. Right. And the thing is, is when you started, you weren't perfect. When you started, you had to make a whole bunch of those to get to the quality level that you're at now that you're like, I am willing to sell it. So this is part of being a business owner. We take on employees or team members or partners that we train well, and then we ask them to learn a trade and then they take that trade and they perform it. Right. And yeah, sure. There's going to be issues, but we always have issues. It's just that, you know, if we make them ourselves, we kind of aren't as hard on ourselves. Another one of our students, Susan Gordon Pottery, top 1% on Etsy, went from Etsy to selling wholesale, now just sells direct to consumer, cannot even keep up with the demand. It's pottery that she created. It's a namesake company. She still now gets to create and design the initial bowls, the initial ornaments. Like she will hand paint certain things, but she employs 20 potters that don't want to have their own business that maybe went to fine art school or learned a trade or learned how to be potters and they're employed doing what they love. So I want you to think about that. It is possible. You can scale a handmade business. It can stay handmade. It just doesn't have to be with your own hands and you do need to make money. Yeah. Pretty soon. I think that then, you know, it's such a limiting belief that you have to do it with your own two hands. And a lot of times with the makers that are on Etsy, they think I need to make all of these and this is what it's going to look like. I'm going to drown in it. It feels so overwhelming, you know? And so we have people that are might be fear of success or feel of more sales because they think that what their life looks like now will be what it looks like later on but it isn't. It is not like, even if you have more sales, you actually will hit a capacity that you aren't even physically able to do it. So you hire people that alleviate the easier things. Now, when you start doing processes, the best thing to do is to outsource first the things that are repeatable and simple and teachable. So a lot of times that has to do with production you know, streamlining a production process or shipping. So we'll see the first hires in that where it's like, Ooh, I can hire somebody to even one part of the process to buff the jewelry all day long. They're just going to buff the jewelry, right? It doesn't have to be the whole process, right? Or all day long, they're going to pinch the pottery or they're going to work on the best-selling ornament or whatever ends up being. And then, or they hire somebody in shipping and fulfillment where it's like, Ooh, I can really teach somebody to pick pack and ship. And this is really, really easy, right? So it doesn't have to be where I think that makers get stuck is in their own limiting belief of that. I have to do every touch, every piece, every single thing 
that my customers demand it and they won't pay for it. You better believe that they're still paying for Susan Gordon pottery. Like Jacqueline said, they, people can't even get their hands on certain items during certain times, but she is the one, she gets to do what she wants to do. She gets to be the visionary of her business in the design. So when she was coming out with new pottery, she was actually sitting down with one of her like master potters basically. And they were testing out different things and different techniques, right? Visioning for what her new product could be like for a new collection. That was really her zone of genius and where she shined. Now, was her customer being like, no, no, I don't want that bowl, best-selling bowl, because Susan didn't make the, with her own two hands, that is just it's a false belief that I think that makers, you know, it holds them back in a lot of ways. When, if you have trouble letting go, you might want to think about small hires, seasonal hires, shipping hires, production, one little piece, like a buffer, you know, like someone who can, jewelry, someone who can buffer you know? jewelry or someone who yeah. can like pre-glue an element to or it. Or like label your product. candles. Yeah. Cut your caramels. <laughs> Tape your boxes. <laughs> so what sort of tools can you use to get to the place where you have too many orders to be able to fulfill them? What do you mean by what are the tools? <laughs> what do you mean by that? I don't know. What sort of ways can people have an influx of orders? What sort okay. of ways can people market their business so that they have too many orders and they have to hire? Right. That's the dream. <laughs> And also it's the limiting belief. A lot of times people are like, I want to hit my first six figures in like a hundred thousand dollars, but they cannot possibly imagine how they will make again with their own two hands, that many pieces of jewelry to sell a hundred thousand because where we are today, this is the first tip and tool is really, you need to work on your mindset, mindset, limiting beliefs, thinking, surround yourself with podcasts, you know, girl gang craft, the product boss mindset coaches, we need to work on building your confidence and shifting your mindset that what it looks like now is not what it's going to look like when you're a hundred thousand dollar business, a $200,000, a million dollar business. It's the same idea when you have a baby. I'm just going to go with like the baby scenario. You have a baby, it's your first baby. They're a baby. They don't know how to walk. They don't know how to talk. You know, they will get there long-term please God. Right. But right now this is where they're at. And then you learn to be a parent at every stage of that baby's life. And you want that baby to grow and eventually not live in your basement for the rest of their life, but go to college, go get a job and support themselves. It's the same idea with your business, right? So we want you to treat your business that this idea of like, you are going to take care of it. You're going to grow it. You're going to have the confidence to know you're going to get there. But I will say the way that we've seen our students get flooded with sales, really grow and catapult to that next level is truly what we taught in our very first panel. It's what we called our signature course, multi-stream machine, which is our signature program is multiple streams of revenue. So a lot of you might be on one platform. You might be on Etsy. You may be selling a bunch of stuff on Etsy because that's the idea for Etsy. It's the more stuff you have, the better. We really help you figure out what your best seller is and how do you take that bestseller and get it onto more sales channels? Not all at once necessarily, but Sarah Wagner of Heartland Lettering, Etsy seller, made tumblers and baby bottles. Um, Not baby and, bottles, soap bottles. I mean, who knows what I'm talking about? Soap bottles. <laughs> she literally said soap tumblers earlier. Earlier. 
And I'm telling the same story, but so Sarah came to us and she was a physical therapist. Her product-based business was a side hustle part-time. She wanted it to be full-time, but she was customizing tumblers and just like soap dispensers that said shampoo, conditioner, that kind of thing. And when we looked at her business on Etsy and we said, what's the thing that you can scale? Staying handmade, but what can you scale the easiest that people are telling you they want? And it's your bestseller. And she said it was her soap dispensers. So we said, okay, which colorway, which wording on it? What is it? Okay. It's shampoo, conditioner, and soap. Great. We created a package out of that. And what she learned in multi-stream machine, which you're a student in, is she took it and she put it on Amazon. Now gasp, our makers out there are like handmade business on Amazon. Yes. And she's not doing Amazon handmade. We fully believe in Amazon prime fulfilled by Amazon. She was still able to make it handmade, but she scaled a singular best-selling product line. And that went from $2,000 a month to now she's generating solely just on Amazon with this one product skew that's still handmade at her house, $30,000 a month, two years and has later. a small team now. So she actually doesn't have a full team. I know we were talking about Susan and, you know, other people that have like 20 people teams. I think hers is two people. Yeah. So yeah, she gets to live the life that she wants because for all of you, it can look different. It doesn't have to be you, but it doesn't have to be a team of 20 either. Right. So if you need to outsource a piece of it, you know, she does the labeling, they actually build the inventory. She still does the parts that she wants to do, which is the thinking about the big strategy and all those things. And she's able to make it happen. You know, she actually makes 30 to $40,000 a month now, you know, so she's actually not a physical therapist anymore either. And then, so, you know, when you're thinking about how do you get to the point of, getting a whole bunch of sales or getting that influx of sales, you have to think strategically about it. So it's not being in all the places, making all the products. It's literally building your customer base, building your email list, building your text message list, whatever that looks like, but actually having people to sell to, getting to know them more and more, boiling down your messaging, connecting the dots of why do they need your product? Why do they need it right now? Why do they care about it? Like all those things. And then also making sure that you present to them in so many stories and so many demonstrations what they should buy. People only buy what you tell them to buy. They will not search out what should I buy. So for example, the reason why that's like the best seller tried and true. Everybody loves it, has the most testimonials, has the most ratings, tons of stories around it. We know that everybody loves it. And we also know that people tend to buy, you know, what other people have too, like what other people like have vouched for, you know, social proof wise. So it's like, this is the thing that everybody loves. I recommend that if you're just starting off with little labels, you get the animal friends because the kids tend to love it. All the little animals on there are waving to them and it's dishwasher safe and you can send it off to, you know, daycare or whatever. So it just helps you build in that, like, instant story, instant connection. And you're also selling them something that you know is the best thing that they can buy from your lineup. So we just heard from the amazing women of the product boss. And are you ready to learn more from them? Oh my God. Talk about knowledgeable. So they want to help you get ready for the holidays. So it's July right now. You're probably not thinking about holidays, but you should be. So they are here to help you and they have a series of workshops for you that is free. It is free. So 
Workshop number one is take your to-do list to done, how to get more done in less time without the burnout and overwhelm. We love that. Workshop number two, the maker's guide to scaling, the secrets to scaling your product business. That's Thursday, August 25th. And then their workshop number three is unleash your best sellers, discover the key to amplifying your sales. And that's Thursday, September 1st. So that looks like it's once a week on Thursdays towards the end of August. That first one's the 18th and then we have the 25th and September 1st. So you don't have to do all of them. You can do one or all of them. And you can sign up for those free workshops at bit.ly slash GGC product boss. That's all lowercase. So again, that's bit.ly slash GGC product boss. And again, you can do those workshops for free. So these amazing ladies have tons of knowledge with product-based businesses. So if you really want to amp up your holiday sales, check out that workshop. Okay. Thank you, everyone. Okay. So I think a lot of people in our community are sort of mm, feeling tentative about Amazon period, right? Mm -hmm. In our circle, this is maybe a bigger conversation, but in our sort of circle, there's a lot of sort of anti-capitalist people, right? Which of course is the world we live in and we have to make money. Yeah. What do you say to the people who are sort of feeling tentative about Amazon? Like how has your experience been? Do you feel supported by the company and have you had a successful experience with them? I mean, Amazon changed our lives. I will tell you that. So there's tons of small businesses on there. I'm not the only one that it's changed their life. Amazon gave us the access. It put us on the same playing field as somebody as big as Avery Labels, in my case. We never had that potential for a partnership like that. I think of Amazon as my partner, right? So for me, it has been life-changing. I would never even had access to that many millions of eyes had it not been for Amazon. Now, if you are against it, philosophically value-based or whatever that is, you don't have to do it, you know? So at your core, we're not an Amazon, you know, like that's not the path to profit for everybody. I think that if it feels more true to you to go wholesale or to build your own email list and do strictly direct to customer, whatever that looks like, it can be what you want that version to look like because every, you know, every business will look different. You know, that just simply was for me. I actually really, really do like Amazon. I'm also a true Amazon customer. Like all day long, I feel like it helps my life. I'm a person of convenience. I have kids that I need to always be buying for. I have two businesses, you know, so I'm that customer too. And it really aligns with me, but I get it. Like I get that that's not for everybody. So you have to figure out like, what is your path to profit, your blueprint for success and what the life that you look like is at the end of it. Because just remember like my life, I envisioned in a certain way, like Amazon gave me the platform and the possibility and so much that now my husband is at home. You know, we replaced a pharmacist income along with my income. So I think that just is a personal thing for each person. What about you, Jacqueline? Yeah, I think you know, I come from traditional retail. So I come from, you know, the fashion industry. We sold to Macy's and Revolve.com, like really big businesses. And I think if you want to dig into big business versus small business, like I'll say, like, I don't shop at Walmart from back in the day with Walmart and all the bad press they got. 
But guess what? I also was privileged and had the convenience to not have to shop at Walmart. So a lot of our listeners, a lot of the people out there might be in a small town where Walmart is literally in Iowa that has only Walmart, you know, doesn't Mm -hmm. have all the things that I have had the privilege of being close to New York city or living in Los Angeles that I've had. So once I opened up my world a bit more and understood that there's the right customer for everybody. And there are a ton of customers out there and you need to decide on it. So we have handmade businesses that are small. Amazon is built on small businesses. They're on there and they're working and they're doing well. Sarah, they're built on third lettering. party sellers. So 60% of the people that sell on Amazon are actually third party sellers, meaning like small businesses or other people selling product on there, not Amazon selling Amazon products. Right. So mm-hmm. with Mina's company being convenience, right? Hers are like not pre-order these labels that are, you know, pre-made for you and you just have to put them on, but rather for me as her customer, I get out the Sharpie, I pull it out. My kids get a new water bottle. I write their name on it. I seal it. And then they go to school, right? Like the one that's a brand new water bottle. I'm about convenience too. So it makes sense to sell where your customers are. So if your customers are on Amazon, which Jeff Bezos has said, that he wants to sell everything to everyone on Amazon. And it's true. He's getting pretty close to that. There's literally, it is now a search engine that people will default and buy, but we're also the founders of the shop one and five pledge. So I just want to bring that up with everyone because we created a pledge during 2020 to shop one in five of your purchases from a small business online or offline. Now we got some pushback on that because people said one in five, like that's only, you know, 20, like we said, it's 20%. You can change the world, but it's the same with single use plastics. It's the same with, you know, how like, do you turn off your lights or not? Like we all have our own vices that are not good for the world, let's say, or good, you know, aligned with all the values. But so you have to choose your battles, but you also have to choose how you're going to give back. So we try and make a point that one in five of our purchases is from a small business. 20% is a big deal. So if we're on our way to drive to Target, Main Street USA, you're going to Target, Maybe instead of stopping at Starbucks for the coffee, maybe we go to a small coffee shop. Maybe we are going to stop at Starbucks. Maybe we are going to go to Target, but maybe for lunch, we go and eat at a local restaurant or we go to the small toy shop. In or the we town. go online and shop from the product bosses that are on there. Yeah. You know, so I think when we come up with these values and I used to, I dealt with this when I was starting up businesses back when eco-friendly organic, I've been in business so long that organic was not, it was novel. Like back people- in my day. This people was back to, when people used to have to say WWW. I had to tell them to get, I actually had, I literally had to tell them, go get a domain name and hold your name. Yeah. People were not selling e-commerce at that point. And this is like in the mid two thousands and cotton, organic cotton was a big buzzword. And I had a line that I was creating and she wanted to be low impact dyes. So we're doing natural dyes. We were manufacturing in Los Angeles, which meant we were keeping it domestic. Our footprint wasn't bigger because we weren't importing from China and having like the fuel, right? We were buying cotton, but the cotton, you know, where it was made and cotton, by the way, wasted more water, right? So organic cotton. So you had to pick which way we wanted to go with what we wanted to do. Meanwhile, Walmart comes out with $15 organic cotton teas. And then all of a sudden she's now competing with her $45 organic teas against Walmart, but they're different customers. So I think to round out this part of our (laughs) soapbox is figure out where your customers are, make sure it aligns with your values, but think a little bit bigger 
Because ultimately we want you to have successful businesses. We want you to drive revenue. We want you to reach the customers that are looking for you. And these bigger platforms sometimes give you that access to customers. You would never have the marketing budget to reach to customers that would never know you existed. So can you take that impact that you create by growing your business and do something else with it? And Amazon is supporting small businesses. That's why they're doing like the trademark. If you have enhanced brand content, if you're, you know, it basically is, if you get trademarked, you get brand. They really are looking for brands to grow on there. They don't want the like person ordering things from China and just selling it on Amazon anymore. They really want to take a brand like Little Labels and let her have her place there where people can shop as almost like an alternative website. And get it conveniently in two days. But why are they doing that? Because Amazon will always be customer first, right? So for example, if you lose your privileges on Amazon, they will almost always go with customer first because that's why they have fights against fake reviews. They will always be looking at the customers like, hey, this is the promise we make to customers. We'll deliver to you in one day or two days. This is the reviews. They're authentic because they are customer first. So know that, you know, I know that, there's a certain, we all have our own perceptions and things about Amazon, but there, I think that we as small business owners have to kind of like prioritize whichever ones are right for us. You know? So like I said, it's a personal thing. Whereas, so if you aren't on Amazon, you will need to have a, probably a bigger marketing budget for lead acquisitions, for example. And then you will need to know which channel you want to sell on or probably multiple channels, you know, it doesn't have to be Amazon, but where are you going to sell? Where are your customers? And it just looks different. So and to wrap think- that part is in our signature course, we have an Amazon module where we teach people how to get on Amazon, but we say, if it's right for you, mm-hmm. always, if it's right for you, we are not Amazon coaches. We're like Amazon, you know, like none of that. <laughs> we truly are about building businesses that align with our values, whatever our values might be holistically that work well with our lives. And here are some ways that we see that you can do it. So if Amazon's right for you, we'll tell you how, if it's not right for you, just skip over that module, you know? So we're super aligned with you and your community in that as well. Mm -hmm, For sure. Thank you for getting into that with me. I appreciate it. (laughs) We just ranted at you. (laughs) No, I love it. I I totally love it. I mean, there's so many, there's so much good nuggets of information in there too. And that's, I think, yeah, I know the community is really going to appreciate that. So thank you. I kind of want to pivot a little bit into holidays and how we as product-based business owners and service-based business owners can prepare for the holiday season. And do we need to start doing that right now? Uh Yes. Whatever month it is. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The sooner, the better. We want all of our product bosses and makers to be proactive and not reactive. And it happens to be a time where it will make the most sense as well as the most impact on your bottom line. So, you know, fourth quarter is a big deal, especially for makers, especially for product bosses, because you also need to know what you're going to be selling. And if you need to order anything as far as raw goods, what you need to make, and then what you're going to sell. So the sooner, the better, because it tends to be overwhelming. And then we have our lives that we have to live. So it's a little bit of, you know, the back end, the operations, the back of houses, we like to call it. So we like to teach from front of house, back of house. So back of house is like, the operations, the fulfillment, the production, the, you know, getting the inventory, like what you're going to sell and 
is it going to be chugging along? The front end of that now is the marketing because you in that time have to market, you have to push, you have to launch, you know, whatever that looks like. You have to make money essentially. And so the sooner the better on that for holiday. Now, if everybody, the things that they could be thinking about is, well, how they're going to spend their time. We have actually workshops coming up that are called the Products Boss's Guide to Getting Holiday Ready. We focus on three pillars. One is time. Where, how are you going to be spending your time? You know, it already feels like 100 hours and 40 hours at this point, but for a maker, you know, those are very slow hours. You know, like how are you going to be doing those things? Second is scaling, understanding the money you need to make, the goals you need to set. And then also like, doing the math and, you know, like making it enjoyable at the same time. And then third is focus. So like, what are you going to focus on? What products are you going to be selling? And we really dig in deep on how you can make that into an entire marketing plan, financial plan, and literally a holiday plan of getting you holiday ready. Was there anything I missed Jacqueline? No, I think, you know, and what we like about, and, you know, I think we're going to air, this might be aired somewhere in the late summer. We start to prepare our product-based business owners in August because you know this, that when Black Friday, Cyber Monday rolls around, usually it's that week before it's like, oh goodness, what am I selling? What am I promoting? Who am I promoting it to? So we really start in August. It feels early, but it's enough time, like Mina said, to work on those three pillars because we want you to be able to enjoy the holiday season while it's also your busiest time of year. The other side of this is that we then also help with figuring out what your promotions are. So we have Rocker Holiday Promotions Challenge. By the way, these workshops and challenge are all free. They're just here to help you. Now, when we help in that, it's also this idea, because I think, and I don't know if your community resonates with this, but do they feel like they have to offer sales to make sales and discounts? discounts. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of our community is doing the craft fairs during the season. So I think that's sort of a big push, you know, November and December. And then they're also sort of wondering, you know, am I doing sales in person or am I just showing up in person? And then am I doing sales online? And what does that look like? Yeah. Great question. Because we have coach, I know some of our multi-stream machine students during that time are like, okay, it's black that weekend. And they might have an online promotion and they wonder, do I do this in person as well? Like at my in-person market. And we definitely dig into this during this free challenge. And we talk about this within our course. So it's the idea of like, how do you optimize those in-person events? Right. How do you mm-hmm. make it worth your time? Whether or not you're making But that's a just a sales channel too. We call it yeah. old school. <laughs> what did we name that module? O- Selling old, old school. school, AKA yeah. in person. AKA <laughs> in person. It used to be old school. Now it's kind of throwback, you know, and coming, it's like juicy couture tracksuits at this point, they're coming People back. People leaving you know? their houses. Yeah. yeah. No, because there was, you know, there was a time where everybody wanted to get online and sell online or sell through online platforms. So absolutely. I think we've seen so many people feel like they have to generate, I'm going to talk about generate sales, like revenue offering discounts right? They feel like if the discount's not there, people are not going to buy. What do I do? But in Rock Your Holiday Promotions Challenge, we actually teach a whole bunch of different ways to create promotions at the holidays to sell more without necessarily having a discount. So sure, your customer expects Black Friday, Cyber Monday deals. I'm just going to tell you, right? And if you're in person on that weekend, there should be some sort of offer that gets them to buy. Like a show special. Yeah. Something that gets them to buy because they're looking for those deals. Remember back in the day when people used to line up outside of Best Buy, I don't know, you might be too young for this, but they would line up outside of Best Buy looking for DVDs that they would get for a dollar, right? But what are DVDs? (laughs) These discs that play movies. It doesn't just stream. (laughs) 
<laughs> but I'm saying like that was an old school. People left their house. They woke up early or they camped out and they waited for in-person. There is this return to that in-person experience, especially after this pandemic that people want to get out to the shows, but they also need incentive to buy from you. But it doesn't have to be a discount. It could be a bundle. It could be a best-selling bundle. It could be some sort of cool promotion. It could be a gift with purchase. It could be a discount. And we definitely lean into all of that. So I guess our biggest tip for the holiday season is get prepared. Don't do it alone. Take this time on the front end to really build up a warm audience, people who are going to be there to buy from you when you do offer them their promotions, the products, the sales at the holiday season, because we can create beautiful products and beautiful, you know, discounts or promotions. But if there's no one there to take us up on that offer, we're not selling anything. Streamline even like, let's say they all have like a in-person itinerary that they're going to this trade show, this trade show, this trade show, this craft fair, whatever. They could use the same sort of concepts. I mean, essentially that trade show and that craft fair, the in-person events, they're just another revenue stream. They're a sales channel. So when they, you think about that, it's like, okay, how can I craft my offers in a way that it makes it so, okay, I know that I need to sell two of these and I can call it, you know, spectacular show special. I don't know. Like you have to create some sort of enticing offer. And that's what we go into in Rock Your Holiday Promotions. Because if you're not going to have the discount, you need some sort of reason why they're like, Ooh, I need this right now. I desire to buy this. Like, what is the reason that I'm going to buy this right now? And it usually has to do with how you wrap up the package, you know, quote unquote, wrap up the package. So if you name it a certain thing, but is it profitable for you? So even like we talk about profit all the time. And I think that this is the thing that makers really need to focus on too, is like understanding if they're profitable or not, and if they're pricing correctly. So for example, if you're selling online, you're offering free shipping, what is the threshold that you cannot dip under before it starts being not profitable, right? So we go over that in you know our profitability. We have our free shipping threshold calculator that helps with that. So thinking about that, okay, if I'm going to apply the same concepts, how does that parlay into online? So if I'm at a trade show and I'm leaning into my bestsellers, like Jacqueline Amina taught me, and this is at the front of the booth or the back of the booth, actually, you know, whatever ends up being in this, this is at the front and this is my show special. What is showing up online? Like what are my, you know, email people receiving? What are the text messages? What is the content that's showing up online? It's all a spider web. And I think that, you know, getting prepared with, with that helps because you will undoubtedly become overwhelmed if you do not prepare yourself because you're having to make decisions on the fly, you know? And so even like a lot of the times what makers do is that they get lost in the making. They don't think about how am I going to market? So it's like, okay, I know that I have these and I know that I want to, this is what my booth will look like. And I'm going to have this number of this and I'm making this. And they don't think about like, if I take photos of the booth, how can I translate that online? What are the emails that are going out? How many of them am I sending out? How am I pushing this? How am I talking about it? The messaging, the connecting the dots. I think that that's the thing that when they come to the workshops, we help them work on because it's the maker needs to make money, but they also need to market. And you know, I think that is really helpful in having a marketing plan and that includes, like Jacqueline said, promotions. It includes 
you know, like literally like a launch voice in a lot of ways, you know, like how are you going to holiday launch having a voice to it? And then if you're meeting your goals. I just want to interject here too, about the, like the non-sale and the, like, you know, having your more, what's it called? The higher add to cart or checkout. Yeah. The average order value. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Boosting that both in person and online. And one of the promotions that I've had for the whole time that we've been in business basically is our uterus pins are buy two, get one free. And I mean, barely anyone buys a single pin now. And Mm -hmm. so boosting that average cart order and also like around the holiday time, even just like the words saying, this is a good stocking stuffer giving Mm -hmm. people a presentation of how they could use this, or obviously now with everything that's going on with the uterus pin, right. You know, hand these out to all your friends, like wear this in solidarity or whatever. So painting a picture for what people can use multiple or the free with gift or whatever, I think can really help again, boost the revenue and help your audience figure out what to do with your product. Yeah speaking on it in that way, I do want to give a tip. So can we round out that tip that you just gave? Yeah. So if you're talking about, you know, buy more, like get one, buy another one sort of thing. Instead, you could be like, you know, we had a girl come to the booth and she bought this for all of her girlfriends for, you know, this bridal shower that she's having or whatever it is. It's the story that will stick on top of the recommendation. So having them understand, oh, that's the reason this other person bought. And you can bring that sort of social proof, quote unquote, social proof into the trade show scenario. You know what you're saying, Jacqueline, sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I remember the post you did recently about like the flag that you're coming out with the abortion is healthcare flag and how you were like, let's put these on the back of our trucks, you know, or like our cars and see, I remember that post specifically. And the thing is, is I think what people need to know is that your customers want you to tell them what to buy. They want you to make it easier for them. They don't really have the time to really scroll through your entire shop. So that's why if you look at websites and web pages and even yours, for example, I'm on it right now, like the Girl Game Craft Shop, you know, it started with here are bestsellers. Why? Because people want proof that, you know, bestsellers are what sells all the time. Okay. I want that because other people want it as well. And then, like you said, the bundling, the free gift with purchase, the raising the average order value. So many times we think we need more customers. And it's this machine of needing to feed the beast and get more customers, get more customers. But how? If you're not running ads and you're not acquiring new customers in that way, maybe you try and do your own marketing abilities. Instagram, we know, does not want you to get anyone new organically anymore, right? Like we could go off about that. Reels is working a little bit. TikTok, if your content makes sense and you're a content creator, people are generating more leads from that. But followers are not customers. You got to take the follower. You got to get their email address, their phone number, way to contact them out there in the world, and then get them over to your site or however to buy from you. That's a lot of work versus going back to your current customers and getting them to buy again and to raise their average order value. So if you know that you need to make, you know, sell a thousand things this month, let's say, I'm just going to do really easy math you know, $10, your average order value is $10. You want to make $10,000. You need to sell a thousand. Okay. Well, what if you could get your customers to spend an additional $10 with you? Now you are having an average order value of $20 and you only have to get 500 people to buy from you. So it just starts to get easier. If you raise your average order value, you can sell less to less people 
right? But a higher average order value. And also don't forget about the customers that have bought from you versus always working on acquisition. You both have, you have to work on both at all times, but there's just easier ways of doing this. It doesn't have to be so hard. Yeah. And also if you're at a trade show, this is exactly how people train people. They literally upsell them in person. Hey, now that you've bought this abortion flag or whatever ends up being that they buy, buy a uterus pin. (laughs) So it's like literally called an upsell. You train your people, whether you work in local retail or whatever that is, that you have them upsell. Now you do that online too. That's another way of raising your average order value, your average cart value is you upsell them at checkout. This is also how, you know, point of purchase things happen. It's like, you know how many times my daughters beg me for gum because it happens to be there. And it's with me. Yeah. And those kinder (laughs) eggs you know, at checkout when you're like going out. Yeah. So yeah, I would say the same thing, like the abortionist healthcare flag, it's a new product. It's coming. You can pre-order it. Right. But maybe if they pre-order, they get an enamel pin. It's normally $13. They get it for 10 bucks. Yes. It's discounting one of the products, but you can, might be able to afford that by selling them the more expensive product. The other thing could be like the ultimate, like feminist bundle, And they get like the whole bundle, all the things they need. They need the flag, they get the shirt, they get the pins, they get the like sticker, they get the whole thing. And it's like all the things that they need. And maybe it's got a slight discount to it, but it's not an extreme discount or it doesn't. And it's just like a kit that overcomes the friction of decision. Yeah. You want to eliminate the friction. So that's what happens with a lot of times is like, how can you make it more frictionless? It is recommending, suggesting what they buy from you. So they will buy what they see. You show it also telling them how they can use it in their real life. So sometimes people don't understand like what they could do with it, right? Like you could give this uterus pin as a gift. You could, you know, attach it to your backpack. You could put it on your handkerchief, whatever it is, put it on your beanie. I don't know. You know, like they don't quite understand. It's like having a stage house versus an empty house. People can't visualize how that works. I had one more suggestion for you. Okay. So I feel like we're putting on our coaching hats a little bit, but this will just give you an example about Amazon. (laughs) So let's just say that you're thinking about Amazon and you're not sure how the pricing would work out. You have access to a multi-stream machine, but you're like, Ooh, I don't know if I can put my pins on there because this pin is actually at a low cost. Well, what if you sold like a 20 pack of them? Would the math work out then where I always use this example? I actually have two examples. One is they only sell spaghetti sauce typically by the 12 pack. The first time I saw this, I was like, why on earth would all these people need so much spaghetti sauce? Turns out the whole world does. We, you well, know, the more expensive, like, so the jars are three packs and then you can buy the cans and they're 12 packs. Yeah. So making sure the math works out, but you're able to finesse the bundle in a way that it's profitable to you. I haven't talked to them in a while, but it's like, I forget what their Amazon name is. It was something like USA, but they did those zip ties. That's all they did was sell zip ties to small businesses. And it was like, they sold by the thousand packs of those. So it was like, unless you wanted to buy a thousand zip ties, they were actually super, super successful because turns out businesses and corporations need tons of zip ties, you know? So that was the way that they worked out the numbers in order to be like, oh, I can get onto Amazon. So I know that this is not a pitch for Amazon. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like, make sure that whatever channel you go on, that you know that, you know, I think a lot of people might dismiss, oh, 
like these simple concepts, these simple tactics of, you know, upselling somebody at checkout or bundling something together. So then it's like a higher cart value or whatever. But those are the things that will make you stack up your profit in order to thrive as a small business, because then those are, you know, they kind of like collect together and then help your revenue that comes in. If I just can add really quick to that is if you think about people buying in bulk, I'm going to go back to Amazon just because I want to Google the enamel pins really quick. (laughs) (laughs) People like parents do party favors on there, right? Or like when Uh we, sometimes when you do an event, like you might go to a small business or try and go on fair to order stuff, but sometimes people are looking for fillers, right? So there's like multi-packs. So even all of you thinking, hey, forget the Amazon idea, but let's just say you're at a trade show. Instead of trying to sell individuals, can you sell like, you know, a six party pack? a party pack, a six pack of your best pins, right? Like all, let's say they just combine I mean, all uterus party pack. How fun would that be? I mean, you know, <laughs> the, for a bridal shower, <laughs> just kidding. Really um, <laughs> but yeah, but like you could do like a six pack of, you know, your pins and like, let somebody buy it in a pack of six versus having to sit there and think through which ones they want. Or there could be a 12 pack of the uterus pins all at once. If those are your best sellers, because someone might be like, you know what, I'm going to give these out to like all of my friends, or I might have something going on or whatever. So it doesn't have to be on Amazon, but it's the idea of stretching your mind on giving them more ways to buy and raise the value. So I think we just went off on that for a pretty long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what no, else I, would you like I us love to go it. off And on? I appreciate it personally. And I know a lot of our community works well with a range of items too. So I think that's really helpful to sort of think about how we can upsell, like what sort of packets we can put together, how we can sort of like not just give a 30% off discount or whatever for the holidays or for shows or for whatever we choose. So I think that is really helpful. And I like... It feels sometimes we get so stuck on these things and it's just helpful to have other people say, oh, actually like, you know, let's just think outside the box and like figure out how we could package the same thing in a different Mm -hmm. way. And it's just a little bit of creative thinking and it's trial and error. So I know it's helpful for our community and for me personally as well to hear. Yeah. You know, I think that's what I was trying to get to when I said it was really simple because like even as makers or small businesses, we often think that we don't have the business know-how, but it's not businesses. It's foundational. It's foundational things. So when you're thinking about these tactics that we're telling you, they're literally levers in your small businesses that you get to pull, that you get to figure out, you know, what your average order value is and how you can make that higher, that you can figure out like, what's my free shipping threshold. And if it's feasible for me to offer that, you know, but I need to sell this amount and figure out how to market that, you know? So really thinking about like, as a maker, there's ways that you can scale that is making it possible that you would have room at the end of the day to hire somebody else because time is essentially money and you then could go live the life you want, do the things that you want. And that's what you do with a profit is that you end up hiring somebody for part of it and then paying yourself with part of it and getting to live the life you want essentially. Yes. I love that. Well, thank you so much, ladies. This has been so chock full of information. Can you tell our community where they can find you and how they can join in, you know, activating and preparing for the holiday season? 
Amazing. So we are the product boss. So on any of your social channels, just look for the product boss, subscribe to the product boss, or just come take a listen, come on over around any platform that you listen to podcasts. Um, like we mentioned earlier that episode three, three, five, which is makers got to make money would be a great episode to start with. If that is something that you're thinking about doing. And then this holiday season or pre-holiday season, cause we're doing this while it's still warm out. We are offering the product boss's guide to getting holiday ready, which will automatically opt you into the Rock Your Holly Promotions Challenge. So don't have to worry about like two URLs to go sign up. It's totally free. Just head to theproductboss.com slash holiday. It's theproductboss.com slash holiday. And we are here to support you, to support the Girl Gang Craft community in growing their business and getting to this holiday season, having an amazing holiday season, and also doing it with other product-based business owners with, like we said, different paths to profit, different ways that they want to do this. And I think it's going to open up your mind and really help shift the way you look at your business. Kind of like we did a little bit in this podcast episode today to really help you kind of catapult to whatever that next level is that you want to get to. Thank you, ladies. Thank you so much, baby. Thank you so much for listening to the Girl Gang Craft podcast. Head to girlgangcraft.com slash podcast for show notes and more. See you next time.